special day, special week. Very excited you're here with us. There's a few times a year where we encourage the kiddos to stay in with all of us during this time. And that's because we have a very important message that relates to every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So raise your hand if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Okay, good. If you raised your hand, then you are one of those people that really needs to pay close attention this morning. If you don't, you need to pay close attention too because the Bible offers an incredible gift, an incredible gift, probably the greatest gift of all times. And leading up to a time of thanksgiving, it's so important to understand all that we have to be grateful for. And the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is definitely one of those things that we have to be thankful for. So we're excited you're here to hear that. I hinted already, but this is kind of a special week. Anyone know what's coming up next Thursday? What? Yes. Thanksgiving. Excellent. That's a very special day. What are you supposed to do on Thanksgiving? It's not a trick question. It's nice and clear cut. What are you supposed to do on Thanksgiving? Yes, two in a row. This is great. Eat. I like it. <laughs> My spiritual gift is eating. No, I'm just kidding. Very good. Very good. What else are you supposed to do? What's that? Watch football? Yes. Yes. Good. Josh? Be thankful. Be thankful. Yes. While you're eating, while you watch football, you got to be thankful. That's right. It's a national day where all of us are asked, well, most years, to gather and give thanks together. And so it's a really great opportunity. So guess what this morning's message is all about? Tio, can you guess what this morning's message is all about in light of what Thursday is? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving you nailed it. Very good. So as we speak on giving thanks, we're going to go to probably the most famous Thanksgiving passage, Romans 11. Now raise your hand if you've heard of Romans 11 with Thanksgiving. Not many. One, that's good. Not many. It's not always the most thought of passage, but I want to tell you that Romans 11 and Romans 12 have all kinds of advice and thoughts on how we can give thanks. So we're going to look at that together. And you know how they always put these disclaimers or warning. Here's a warning. This morning's message will require action for following up. And I have more bad news. Even if you're young, this morning's message is still going to require action for following up. So... I don't know what you've thought, but I've been thinking all week about Joel's messages and series on Ruth, and there was some serious things that I'm working on in that, and I'll share that later. But there's going to be similar things here. This morning, God, I believe, wants you to have a homework assignment. I believe that he wants an assignment for you to love him more and to show more thanksgiving. Father, we turn to you because this time is completely worthless unless... Unless, Father, your spirit of your, the living God does something special. Unless your spirit will work in our hearts, will guard, guide and guard words that will allow us, Lord, open our minds and understanding to allow us to know your supernatural truth. What an unbelievable opportunity to know the mind of God. And this morning we get to know a piece of your mind and we're thankful for that. And so we pray that you'd be honored and pleased not only with, with how we... Uh, carry on this time together, but when we leave here, how faithful we are to fulfill the homework assignment that I believe you're laying on each of our hearts to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you look through the book of Romans, it's an incredible story and account and letter of time after time after time again where God says, I love you. 
I want to be merciful to you. I want to be gracious to you. And as I was looking over the first 11 chapters, it is so full of this message that God loves you. He wants to be merciful to you. He wants to be gracious to you. And so whether we're uh, learning in chapters 1 or 2 or 3, or whether we finally get to chapter 5, and it's talking about the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus, whether it's when we get to chapter 6, and it says, For the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that theme continues right on through chapter 8, all about enormous grace, enormous mercy, opportunity where God wants to work with us. And then we get to chapter 11, verse 33, and it's almost like the Apostle Paul, who God is telling what to write, it's almost like the Apostle Paul just breaks out in thanksgiving. If you've got those little headings like I do, the little heading uh, above it would say doxology, but verse 33 of chapter 11, read that with me. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's like he's wrapping up 11 chapters of telling you how much God loves you, of how gracious he wants to be to you, about how merciful he desires to be, not holding what we've done in the past against us, being gracious, giving us what we would never deserve, a relationship with him. And Paul breaks out, oh, how the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. It's thanksgiving. And yet when we move to chapter 12, we're going to have more thanksgiving in a way that maybe you don't usually think of it. If you read Psalm 100, right, come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. How do you come into his gates with thanksgiving? In that context, I believe you sing. We did that a little. You speak the greatness of God. Very important, but not what chapter 12 is about. On Thursday, hopefully you'll go around a table and you'll share what you're thankful for with your mouth. Very important. All kinds of scripture, but not what chapter 12 is about. Chapter 12 of Romans is a practical way to show thanksgiving different than what we might expect. So let's take a look. Verse chapter 1. Verse chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse number 1. Therefore, now I had a great teacher in college. His name was Dave Glock. Some of you had him. And if you see the word therefore, what are you supposed to ask? What's the therefore, therefore, right? Other passages would say so, or other translations, so in light of all this, right? The reality is that chapter 12 is teaching you to respond based on what? Everything he said in the previous chapters. Follow that? So what's the therefore, therefore? It's there to tell you now that you know about God's grace, now that you know that we can give thanks, here's how you give thanks. Are you ready for this? Gabby, are you ready for your homework assignment? Here it is. You thought you were on break this week. Nah, homework. Therefore, I urge you, Paul says, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, 
and perfect will. Verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Nine, chapter, verse nine of chapter 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Well, that's a lot of homework. Let's break it down. Let's look at what God is calling us to do. Do we want to be thankful? Here, therefore, therefore, one of the most important ways that I can be thankful is found in these verses. So let's look at it. First of all, there's an overarching command. Present your body a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service. This is a, a summary statement. You belong to God. If you've received Christ as your Savior, you are God's. And interestingly, even when God saves us and makes us alive spiritually, he doesn't force you into living for him every day, every, all day, does he? You can feel that. You can think not too hard about different times of your day that, that I live for myself instead of living for God. I think because he wants you to show your thanksgiving, he gives you an opportunity to present yourself to him a living sacrifice. We've got an opportunity this morning to let God know that, hey, we are yours, God. Every breath I take, every ability that I have, every moment of every day, every dollar in the bank account, all belongs to God. That's our act of thanksgiving. That's our act of service. And so then when he lays it out pretty clear that Aubrey and Aaron and Edward and Joel... If you know Christ is your Savior, you are God's. So present yourself to God, a living sacrifice. Now, many of us have done that, but boy, you maybe feel like I do, that it seems like it's a continual deal. There's a joke made that if you have a living sacrifice, what does the sacrifice do? Crawls off the altar often, right? There's so many times in my life where I live for myself instead of living for God. And so Romans 12 would say, hey, Stop doing that. In light of all that God has done for you, present your body a living sacrifice. And he's going to give us two great ways to do that. Are you ready? Two great ways to do that. Number two, verse two. Verse two, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the first way. That's number one. God has called you to know him then God has also called you to be set apart 
from all the baloney and garbage that we have throughout this world. You can indulge in any kind of worldliness that your heart's desires, meaning it's not hard anymore to get a taste of the world. In fact, we have to work extra hard to protect ourselves from the influences of the world, right? The reality is, is that the world is, I don't know if ever been as close or involved or at our doorstep, so to speak. Sin more than ever in my heart and life desires to have mastery over me, as Genesis 3 says. But God would say, hey, you want to be thankful? Don't conform to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what that means is that all of us, Abby and Ethan and everyone older, we all need to make a conscious effort to say, you know what, God, I'm going to yield to your spirit. That means I'm going to obey what you tell me, God, and I'm going to do what is God-honoring, not what is worldly. Now, you don't have to think too long, but you probably want to examine, as the scripture says, or evaluate or do a checklist of your own mind and heart to see how you're doing on that. There were sure some things in my life that, that came out that I need to stop conforming to the world. And so Thanksgiving week, that's, that's number one. Let's purpose this week. Let's determine this week that we're going to live for God, not conforming to the world. Huge opportunity to say thanks. Huge opportunity to say thanks. Number two, we could go on all day on that one, couldn't we? But let's skip to number two. Number two starts to be shown in verse three. I'm going to read verse two again to lead up, to get a running start to verse three. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then he moves into number two. For the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are many form one body. We who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it proportion to his faith. You see the second way. You've been especially shaped. You have a unique shape and ability that God has given you. A unique way that you live in thanksgiving to God. And look around. No, seriously, look around. These people are among those that God has instructed you and asked you to use those special abilities. One way for you to say thank you to God is by serving the people next to you and behind you and in front of you. Isn't that something? God is amazing in his design. But I think we need to break this down a little bit more because I think that our huge opportunity is to honor and thank God. But I think too often we think about that as, as far as being a solo instead of a, a, a duet or even a, a full choir concert. You know what I mean on that? You know what I mean by that, T.O., where it's not just me singing, it's all of us singing together, right? And the reality is, is that you and me and all believers in Jesus Christ are a piece of God's bigger puzzle for giving thanksgiving to him as a family. Now, 
the first step, do not be conformed to the world, that's pretty clear, right? That's my responsibility. Now, as a husband and father, I have some other extent of responsibility there, but, but that's kind of a responsibility that falls on each one of us individually, doesn't it? But now we come to the second point, that your way of saying thank you is by serving one another. So let's take a look at a couple more parts of this. In verse 1, look at that. It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Anyone have the King James Version? What does it say there, sir? Uh, this is your what act of worship? Reasonable service. Reasonable service. Reasonable service. That Greek word for spiritual or reasonable is logikas, logikase, logikase. Joe, don't even, don't even correct me, Joe. <laughs> Joe knows the Greek, but I can look it up and I can read it. Logikase, which means reasonable or rational. So I think, sir, that the, the King James is, is probably a little bit closer on that one, reasonable act of service. Now, what does that mean? That means, my friends, that this isn't some optional dealio. Right? Remember last week, and I've been thinking about this all week, Joel. Remember when Joel shared with us what God's calling for us is? It's not to cure world hunger alone. It's to be responsible for what he's given us to do. It's not to solve every problem of every hurting person. It's to be responsible with what God has called us to do. Well, let me suggest to you, based on the scripture here, that when God said that these are your reasonable acts of service, does that fall in maybe you could think about doing it or does that fall in responsibility? What do you think? Responsibility. Responsibility. These are not just fluffy kind of things that if you feel like it, you could really get a hold of them. No. This is your reasonable act of worship and service. And so you need to understand, as I do, that God is giving you a special ability to serve this local church and those aren't suggestions from him. That's your reasonable, responsible reaction in order to give thanksgiving to God. You following me on that? So let's look more at this. Let's look more at this. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Now this seems like a little harsh, I mean, Edward, that's kind of like a, a smack to the teeth is, is, hey, you're not all that, right? It's not all about you, KT. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Why does he have to say that? Because I operate with me. It's me. It's mine. It's my time. It's my money. It's my gift. No. No, KT, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You've not been given a gift for your own good. You've been given a gift for the good of God's body, for the good of Christ's church. And so the reality is, is that we have to start with a dose of humility, don't we? That it's not about me. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. That's one of those subtle ones, right, Julia? That's one of those that sneaks up when... When your mom or your dad or your wife tells you to do something that you know is right, the temptation is, eh, nah, not feeling it. No, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about God's calling. And God's calling continues. Verse 4, just as each one of us has a body with many members, 
and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are many form one body. Now, what does he mean there? Well, hold up your hand, wiggle your fingers, okay? Lots of different body parts right there, right? Right? Oh, you can put them down now, but thanks for waving. It's good to see you. A lot of different body parts there, all to do different tasks, right? Your fingers have to work properly with your hand, which has to work, it all has to fit together. And your heart has to pump the blood to those fingers, right? Or you're in big trouble. And those bones have to hold those fingers just right. We had fun a few weeks ago. I got a call from the Tri-State Christian School office. I said, uh, you need to come get Aaron. Well, what do you do now? Well, he broke his finger. I said, are you sure it's broken? Uh, yeah, we're pretty sure. His finger, this bone went that way, and this one went that way. It was the weirdest thing. But man, he had slid into home base and crunched his finger and dislocated his finger. And oh, it was ugly, wasn't it, buddy? He wouldn't let, take us, wouldn't let us take a picture. I'm so bummed we didn't get a before picture. But it was out of place, and that finger would not work. And in fact, for the next hour, he wasn't able to do much schoolwork. He wasn't able to do any chores at home because when that pinky little finger was hurting, he was out of commission. Isn't that interesting? Your body is designed for all the different parts to work together. And when one part is messed up, the whole body has problems. Have you noticed that? Unfortunately, some of you whom we love have had a tiny little virus get into your body and man, it screws everything up, doesn't it? Our bodies are designed to work together. Well, what is he saying in verse 4? He's saying that just like he's designed your body, Emma, to work all together, he's designed the body of Christ to work together. And to each of you, Tio and Joel and all of us who know Christ as Savior, each of us has a special job to do. And that's so important. That's our way of giving thanksgiving. And so just as each one has a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so Christ, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Very, very important to note. If you know Christ, you have at least one spiritual superpower. Now, why can I say that so boldly? Because who gives you this gift? God, that's right. God gives you this gift. And when God gives a gift, it's a superpower. It's supernatural. It's not earthly. It's a spiritual ability to serve each other. That's powerful stuff. Wasn't it enough that he saved you? Wasn't it enough that he's giving you an opportunity to live holy and set apart for him? No, he went further, Gabby. Can you believe it? He gave you a superpower so that you could continue to do his work. And so that's really what we're up against. And the timing of this, I think, is impeccable because not only do we know that, hey, this is the way we say thanks. This is how we are grateful, by using this spiritual superpower. But the timing also is fun because as we move into a, a season where we're all thinking about gifts, don't even tell me you're not starting to think about gifts. Right, Ethan? You got your Christmas list made yet? Get to work on it. So-so, you got it started. Good. As we move into this time of gifts, we're going to be able to study and learn about the gifts that God has given you, the special superpowers that he's given you to serve his body of Christ. 
And so today we're not going to get too deep, but good news, there's more coming. Aaron, Mandy, you've had enough? Okay. <laughs> I love embarrassing my children. It's a privilege. They're wonderful. So let's start with kind of an overview here. We won't take long. We'll be wrapping up in five to ten minutes here. But do you see how important this is? How do you show thanksgiving to God? By living a holy life and by serving one another according to your spiritual gift. Kind of nice that we can summarize it that way, but it kind of stinks too because that means a lot of hard work ahead. But with God's help, we can do that. So let's take a look at some of these. I want you to, if you have a pen, I want you to write down four references. Okay, Romans 12, we're in that chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Those are the four different passages. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Two twelves and two fours. John Glock taught me that. Two twelves and two fours when we're talking about these spiritual superpowers, right? Write those down because if you look at Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, it gives you a full list of all of the superpowers, of all of the spiritual gifts that God has given. And we'll have a lot of work kind of figuring out how they work. Some of them are crystal clear about what it means. Others, eh, we'll have to study a little bit more, right? But the reality is, is that God has given you a spiritual gift. Uh, Charles Ryrie, a man that studies the Bible day in and day out, states that the term spiritual gift usually refers to the special gifts or abilities given to people by God. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability for service, for service. This incorporates the source of the gift God-given, the meaning of the gifts and abilities, and the purpose of the gift, which is service. All of that to say that God himself has given you a special ability so that you can brag about it? Nah. So that you can kind of put it on a shelf and admire it? No. So that you can use it. So that that can be part of your reasonable act of service. So we start to take a look at some of these. Now, one of the critical things is whether you're, you're Josh or Christy or, or Amy or each of us, we need to start figuring out how God is gifting us. And it's not always crystal clear. This isn't one of those things that on your spiritual birth certificate, it lists out your spiritual gifts. Unfortunately, you're going to have to work a little at it. But interestingly, I think that as a team, I think as a family, we can really start to help identify each other's gifts. And even more importantly, we can give you ways of really using those gifts. So let's take a, a look at Romans 12. We'll look at just a few. Uh, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. How many did we list there? Seven, at least seven. There's more because we got to look at what other passages? 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians and 1 Peter yeah, we got to look at them all, right? But there's seven examples, seven examples of spiritual gifts. And you know what's so fun about this? This is a team effort. 
This is a team activity where together we're going to start to figure out what are those spiritual gifts. Very, very important. So lots of tools to do this. We've given you kind of what I think is a fun one. I like taking surveys, right? Because theoretically there's no right answer and no wrong answer, right? So you, each of you has this. If you didn't have it last week, then hopefully you got one this week. Even while I'm talking here, feel free to start filling this out. But this is one tool that you can start to use. You get to answer some questions about what you like. That's kind of fun, right? Uh, I have the ability to organize ideas, resources, time, and people effectively. Organization. Raise your hand if you're good at organizing things. Good, Aubrey. Good, Christy. We need you guys. Mark, you didn't raise your hand. You're fantastic at this. <laughs> One of the gifts is administration. And when Mark joined the leadership team, the Lord used him in powerful ways and have, has since to help us to be more and more organized. Administration. So he's being modest, but he is a gifted administrator, right? So you'll start answering these questions, and it's kind of fun because you'll start to identify. Now, don't worry about whether you're trying to figure out, oh, okay, I have the ability to make critical decisions when necessary. What gift does that mean? Don't worry about that yet. Just, fill it, just rank yourself. Fill it out. Do some thinking on that. And then we'll go back, and you can see that there's even some fun at the end where you get to keep score. Tio, do you like keeping score? I do. You get to keep score, and so you'll start to identify some possibilities, underlying possibilities. Why? Because just because this test says that you have the gift of service, does that mean that it's for sure thing? No. So what's the next step? What's the next step? Well, you need to talk to people that know you well. So at the dining room table, at dinner some evening, families, talk about what maybe your spiritual gifts are. If you're a student at Tri-State Christian School, good news, your Bible teacher is what? Talking through these spiritual gifts, isn't he? And as a class, you're talking about maybe what some of your spiritual gifts are. Excellent. So you really need to, one, get some ideas. Two, talk to the people that know you well. And then three, what's the third? Practice. Practice. Let me promise you one thing. The first time you use your spiritual gift, you will be nowhere as good at it, no way as good as it, at it as you will five years later when you've been practicing it. These are skills. And while God has given you a supernatural ability, it's kind of like learning to walk, right? You've got this supernatural ability uh, to learn something, and yet now you've got to kind of work it out, right? So one, start to identify. Two, talk to people that love you and know you. And three, start to practice. Now let me give you some important points. You need to be part of a local church that's going to let you practice. Why is that so important to say? Because unfortunately, that's not always the case. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. And so we as a church family are passionate about giving you chances to practice and use those spiritual gifts. So important. It's so important. Because not only does that give you a chance to learn, but it makes this family stronger. There's been so many wonderful men and women come through the great adventure in the last 19 years. The Lord has blessed so much. And many, many of them have come and they've contributed with their spiritual gifts in such powerful ways. Some of them God has left, led elsewhere, and that's excellent. Well, there's a couple of them, we miss them all, but there's a couple of them that have particularly stood out as people that we'd say, oh, I just wish the Lord would lead them back. Why? 
because they used their spiritual gifts every time you saw them. And there was one couple in particular where she was just an incredible encourager, still is. And she's just encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. And she'd walk into a room and you know that she's already practicing encouragement. And then her husband was a gifted servant, a gifted servant. And if there was a job to be done, man, watch out. He's rolling up his sleeves and he's diving in. And I love it, but Mark often will say, oh, I wish that family would come back. And the Lord has used certain key people like that. And what's, what's separated it out is when people really dig in and really use their gifts, you will not only be dearly used here, but you'll be dearly missed when God leads you elsewhere. Use those gifts, my friends. Start to identify and start to make a, a pattern of that. Now, in my last two minutes, I want to separate the concept of a spiritual superpower and responsibility that each of us has to carry out these works. So we go through the different gifts. How many did Romans 12 list? Seven. And then we get to verse nine, and now he's gonna allude to some of those spiritual gifts, but he's gonna remind you and say, you know what? Even if you don't have these spiritual superpowers, it's still your job to do these different things. Isn't that interesting? That's going to bring up a perplexing question. What's the difference between a spiritual superpower gift and my responsibility to be merciful? What's my difference between having the spiritual superpower of hospitality but being called to be hospitable? What's the difference between being a gifted supernatural teacher but my ability to teach one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? So to make it even more confusing... Not only do you have a spiritual superpower, but God has given you responsibility to do all these functions, at least 90% of them. I'm doing a study right now where I'm looking at the spiritual gift and I'm looking elsewhere in scripture where God has told everyone to do it. Okay, there are spiritually gifted people to teach, right? And yet we already said, it says teaching one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. There's spiritual gift of hospitality. Some of you are supernaturally good at hospitality. And yet we're going to read right here in Romans 12 that all of us are to be hospitable to one another. Isn't that interesting? If you want to join me in that, once you get your list of spiritual gifts, see if you can find another passage of Scripture that commands all of us to do that gift. I haven't found too many that that's not the case. Right? Mercy. Well, I had one person tell me one time, well, I don't really have the gift of mercy, so I don't really need to be compassionate. Is that true? It's not, is it? God says to be compassionate with one another, tenderhearted with one another, right? So that's kind of a fun for you uh, scholars, right? You can start to do that study, start to lay the list out and see, are there any that we're not all responsible to do, okay? Interesting points. As we close, great chance this week. Great chance to focus in on Thanksgiving. Everything from the balloons at the, Merce, the Macy Thanksgiving Day Parade to uh, things on the radio, things, everything's going to remind you that Thanksgiving is coming, right? Use this opportunity to understand that as if you know Christ is your Savior, your privilege is to be a living sacrifice to Him. And that can be done by saying no to the world by not conforming to the world, by not playing the video games that aren't honoring to the Lord, just focusing on the ones that are, right? By not watching the things on Netflix that are 
distasteful to God, right? By not saying hurtful words like I've been guilty of doing, but instead being kind and gentle and forgiving. The second thing is you have an, a, a reminder that your rubber that meets the road, your opportunity to say thanks to God is by starting to develop your spiritual gift and starting to identify not only the special gift that God has given you to serve this church family, but also some of the other ways that God is calling you to be responsible. It's said that 90% of the work in a local church is done by 10% of the people. That's not how God designed this. That's not how God laid this out. God has designed so that each member of the body of Christ has a role and has a job. And when we fulfill that role, God uses that to build this body up, to edify, build up, encourage his body of Christ so that he will be more glorified. Father, we thank you that your word is crystal clear. We're not always glad that it's crystal clear, but it is. We're glad and thankful, Lord, that we know that you would have us to abstain from the world and practice our gifts for you, Father. We want to be reasonable worshipers. We want to be responsible for these tasks that you've called us to do. We want to say thank you, not only with our words, but with our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you would touch each of our hearts, give us knowledge and wisdom and help and strength and discipline as we carry out learning our gifts and serving one another with them. We love you and trust you in Jesus' name.